0: I don't know if you guys have seen this, people seen this, you know what this is, yeah I had no idea what it was either, watch, see that, my kids are loving this right now, I went out and bought a couple of these for the boys, they saw them somewhere and they were like, they're called fidget devices, you fidget with this, right, so the center of it holds and then you spin it and it's supposed to keep going until it stops and then you, This is my whole sermon tonight. <laughs> That's it. Just this. I, I wish I had to give them out to everybody. Hopefully, metaphorically, I will. I can come back to this in a little bit. This little toy has a lot of Torah to teach us. But over the past couple of weeks, we've been doing other things. We've been learning a lot of stuff for the last couple of weeks. We spent a good deal of time looking at a number of spiritual issues. Yeah, a number of spiritual problems and the tools that we need in order to overcome those specific problems, right? So a couple of weeks ago we spoke about, if you remember, standing on principle instead of seeing the beloved in front of us that we put lines before love, law before love, that the vulnerability of the other who stands before us might transcend our pre-existing principle that we have arrived with. We say, you know, I see you over there, let me find a way to bring you in, that we put people before principles, that was a couple of weeks ago, and then maybe three weeks ago we spoke about what it is when we begin every Seder with a broken piece of matzah, that nothing is fixed until we admit that it's already broken. We don't begin to tell the story of liberation until we acknowledge at first that, that something is wrong, something is broken, the matzah needs to be broken before it can be put back together again. Remember this? So we did this a two weeks, and then last week... We we prepared to read the Song of Songs, which is the Bible's love song, a love story. And we spoke last week about the habit of love, that love is a habit of the heart, that incrementally we train our hearts to be beloved and to love, to extend ourselves, as M. Scott Peck said, for the sake of the spiritual growth of another. Love is the will to extend oneself for the spiritual growth of another we talked about love last weekend so that's where we've been and so where are we tonight so where we are tonight this shabbat is a shabbat that on sunday we'll be celebrating earth day and this coming tomorrow morning and this i guess the weekend is the weekend where the weekly wisdom the parsha this week is going to be speaking about a monumental moment in the torah a moment where after right we're after at least half, a third of the book of exodus and then the entirety of the book of leviticus will be dedicated to the building of the tabernacle tomorrow morning the tabernacle will be operational <laughs> that little miniature portable mobile sanctuary in the desert will actually have opening day inauguration we're going to inaugurate the tabernacle in our reading tomorrow morning. It will be on the eighth day after seven days of consecration, of preparation, of spring training. Opening day is on the eighth day. And the the tabernacle will be functional. It will be working. It will be finally utilized for what it was built for, which is to create a sacred container. That's tomorrow morning. And in the story, something tragic happens. After the first round of operations, after it actually works, the Torah tells us that something goes horribly wrong. After the fire descends from heaven and consumes the first offering ever offered in that portable sanctuary, some kind of passionate, zealous, infectious energy brings two of the four sons of Aaron the priest to decide on their own to bring their own fire. The Torah tells us tomorrow morning that and they took Vayikhub, Aaron and Aviu, these two children of Aaron. They each bring their pan, they put fire into it, and they bring an offering that is called Esh Zarah, a strange fire that God has not commanded. And another second fire descends from heaven and consumes them. Tragedy erupts. What was a celebratory moment, the, the I guess the ultimate moment of, of this, this journey, this preparation, this, this consecration, this project, this tabernacle project, it was like opening day. And something traumatic happens in the Torah. There's a rupture, there's a break, something goes wrong. Now, the first thing we need to know here is that I've said this before in the shul, and I'll say it again it's clear that the tabernacle for the biblical authors is nothing less than the recreation of the world. It is the microcosm. It is Genesis 1 replicated. That little tabernacle that could in the desert is nothing less than the Garden of Eden in the desert. And so there is some kind of parallel here between what happens to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and that rupture and that exile and that loss of something profoundly beautiful and idyllic. And what happens here for Nadav and Aviyu, for these two children? There is a cataclysmic moment. The world is not right. The two sons of Aaron decided to come into the Holy of Holies, and something goes wrong. There are no shortage of commentators as to the theological difficulty of taking these two children. Tomorrow morning, God willing, we'll hear a very beautiful Torah from Zach about the theological implications of why bad things happen to good people. But for now, what could possibly be the reason for for this punishment, for this occasion? So there's no shortage of commentators who give reasons. Some of them have nothing to do with the strange fire that's offered. Some of them say that what was happening was that they didn't speak to one another appropriately. There was some kind of horizontal breakage. The brothers themselves were out of alignment. Not really sure what that means. The most obvious answer is that the very next set of verses in the Torah will, dis- will proscribe wine for all priests. And say the rabbis, that juxtaposition of the prohibition against liquor and, in- and inebriance teaches us that the sons of Aaron entered into the Holy of Holies inebriated. Now whether or not that's true, whether or not it makes any sense to any of us, maybe, maybe it doesn't work, but it's a very powerful moment to say that their entry into the Holy of Holies had an obstacle that they couldn't surmount, that they went into the Holy of Holies without a sober or a sobriety. There's something about their entrance into the most sacred place, the deepest, the most profound location, was polluted by a certain mindset that wasn't sober, that wasn't real, that didn't have gravitas, that didn't see clearly, that was diluted. The notion that we often trip and fall on our way into the Holy of Holies is profound. The notion that we don't always make the journey into the Holy of Holies in a clean way because of some inebriant, some obstacle in our life that we can't find a way over. It's something that each and every one of us experiences, I guarantee you, almost moment to moment. Here's my favorite uh, poet, Mark Nepo, talking about... Temples that he discovered in India. He says that many temples in India have one large step at the threshold to the temple. It's about two feet and higher. It's by design. The step is made so large so that effort is required to climb over it to enter the sacred space. That effort is required to climb over an obstacle that gets between us and the Holy of Holies. It's hard to do that when you're drunk. (laughs) And then once we've entered the Holy of Holies, once you've entered the, the sacred space, you find a statue that is a snake on one side of the temple and a statue of a dragon on the other. The statues, he says, represent aversion and attachment. The snake is aversion and the dragon is attachment Symbolically, he writes, the temple's constructed this way as a reminder that we have to climb over obstacles, putting aside what we fear and what we cling to in order to enter sacred space, and that that sacred space is everywhere. When we can do this even briefly, the entire world becomes our temple, he says. The efforts never go away. The efforts to surmount fear and that leads to aversion, and fear that leads to clinging. Fear that leads us to say, I will pull away, and fear that leads us to cling. The snake that pulls away, and the dragon that holds us holding on. Effort is required to surmount those obstacles. Effort is required of us to face fears that get in the way of entering, The Holy of Holies, of being able to bring our fire to the Holy of Holies. Fear kept my great grandparents from seeing the writing on the wall in Nazi Germany. Fear and clinging to the familiar, to the news that they didn't give credence to when tickets were sent to them and they sent the tickets back. Fear clinging. An opportunity presents itself to us and we hold on. Facts are given to us. We know without a shadow of a doubt that if we take one more puff of that cigarette, each and every time, you name it, there is an obstacle that each and every one of us can identify clearly It is the delusion of being drunk and not being sober as we seek to enter into the Holy of Holies. And for one of those two reasons, either the snake that has us avert or the dragon that has us double down, we struggle ourselves to enter into that holy space. We even struggle with whether or not we should even make an effort at all so Earth Day you can see where I'm going right (laughs) do I have to read the 35 terrifying global warming facts does anybody here need to know how many metric tons enter our environment every year does anybody here need to know that the reality of global warming, or what my teacher, Rabbi Arthur Waskow, calls global scorching, is everywhere? Do we really need someone to convince us that the temperature of our planet is, is, is... we are heating up? 2000 through 2010 was the hottest decade in recorded history, and it isn't getting any cooler. The writing has been on the wall for decades, and we continue To either be the dragon or the snake drunkenly skipping and falling and stumbling into the Holy of Holies saying it's not really true. Nothing is really broken. Or even if it is, what can we do about it? The word effort itself from the Latin meaning to extract and fortis, Latin meaning strength, to effort is to express and extract strength. When we make an effort we show that we have strength. When we make an effort, we show at that moment that we believe fundamentally that we have the strength to change something. We express in that moment our fortis, our fortitude. We believe fundamentally, and this is a fundamental Jewish notion that each and every one of us, regardless of whether we can change the world, must try to do one thing, make one effort, You are not free. I am not free. None of us are free to cease and desist from effort, but neither are we free to not even make an effort, to not express and extract our strength. That is the power of our tradition. That is the power of a yearning of two children of Aaron who went into the Holy of Holies but stumbled over the obstacle of fear of aversion drunkenly making their way into the Holy of Holies. And so we get caught. If we don't make any effort whatsoever, nothing will happen. If we don't extract and express strength in any level, this doesn't move. But then we start spinning it. It will stop, you know. But if you try too hard, if you try too hard, you get your finger caught. Each and every one of us has to each and every one of us to balance the effort that we can do with the effort that is too much, and the non-effort. Between the snake and the dragon, between the drunken rolling into the holy of holies, there is a balance point. We can do two things differently this week. We can eat a little bit less meat. We can go to the climate march we can make an impact on companies like Walmart which just announced that it was going to essentially cut emissions into the environment that would be the equivalent of 211,000 cars taken off of the streets and then we can come back and organize we can make a difference if we meet our fear if we meet our grasping, if we meet those things that make it impossible to enter into the Holy of Holies with courage, we can make a difference. So I got my boys these little toys, you know. And um, within a day, they had broken them. (laughs) So I had to go out and buy another one, another one, another one. And... I saw them playing with it, and one of my sons couldn't get it so that his fingers weren't interfering all the time. So he kept doing this and hitting it like this. And I said, there's Torah there, right? Isn't that Torah? It's my Torah. It's your Torah. What's just the right amount of effort to keep this thing going? What's the right amount of effort? proactivity and agency that each and every one of us has that can make a difference. I didn't believe it personally that uh, I would see the day when a certain celebrity would be asked to leave a certain network because certain numbers of people spoke up. I've been an advocate, a very public advocate for many, many years around just that issue in various contexts. And more often than not, the impediment that I hear is Well, what can I do? They're too strong. What can I do? It's too strong. It's too powerful. There's no way I can make a difference. If last Shabbat we talked and said that love is a habit, activism is a practice, and we do it one effort at a time. No effort is wasted. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of you in various... Earth Day and Climate March events. If you'd like more information about next week's Climate March, there are some pieces here for you to come up to the room afterwards. Go out and try it and tell me what you're doing. If you'd like to send an email and say, you know, on Friday night I was inspired to go home and do one more thing or two more things. I think I can do ten more things and it won't be too much. You can certainly write in. I'd be happy to hear. We can inspire one another to enter the Holy of Holies with sobriety and with the right amount of effort.